This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. With, with people using real estate in such a different way, what happens to the nature of real estate? Do you see a lot of repurposing going on where people are buying warehouses or hotels or other facilities and you know, industrial spaces and repurposing them? Where is all of this happening and where is the opportunity for the, for the hard asset investors out there who want to make money exploiting this trend? Well, uh, I would say, again, that's the vision problem. So I think that that is what is going to have to happen. And my in these densely populated urban centers, um, the office market is shifting because of the trends that we talked about. And there's a lot of empty space. The asset owners are starting to catch on that maybe they need to do something more with the space than just set it out and collect rents. So um, I think that they will have to cultivate what are the multiple uses of that space. And they have to actually put effort into what is the the business environment that I want to create in this building. And therefore, they have to choose the operators who provide the services that make it a vibrant building. And that's why I put forward white space collaboration space, on-demand collaboration space is going to be part of that cultivation because we're an attractor for office tenants. There are several cases where tenants have signed into a building because there's a meeting space there so that it can reconfigure their office design. They don't need their own meeting room because downstairs is a white space. And so we're actually providing an amenity for the, the building owner that helps them differentiate their building. And that's going to be part of the trend. You're going to have to offer something more than just here's an office, here's the rent. Exactly. I, I think, um, not I think, I know actually, we, we invested in a basking analytics, which is workplace occupancy analytics. Uh, and what we are seeing is Fortune 500 companies are asking what? What is going on, right? What space do we have? How? How are people using this space? And then why? Why are they using this space? How do we reconfigure this space? So to get a sense of like, what is the ground truth of what's going on? You need sensors in place. You need to you know, have analytics. You need to see the times people are coming in. And then you need to think about why do they come in? How do we make it better for them? Like you said, some people will choose to come in because of the meeting space and they won't need such spaces or there'll be more amenities or whatever. So being more intelligent is very interesting and very exciting for real estate because people are now thinking this isn't just four corners of a wall and um, space. This is a, a place where experiences happen and we need to make these place is more dynamic. Wonderful shift, you know, it's probably the greatest shift ever. Uh, and it impacts all of us. Uh, your average person working eight hours a day, that's um, half your waking hours. Assuming you're lucky enough to get eight hours of good sleep. That's half your waking hours. Um, you want to make sure that people are working in an environment. And startups discovered it quite early on by offering a lot of amenities and a lot of white, you know, white space around you. and. Um, a place where you can thrive, right? People don't thrive when they're in a cubicle. I mean, some people do. Uh, some modes of work do well, like engineers prefer to be like heads down, but then there are times when you need to brainstorm and be creative and you need that. Um, so 
what, where does the world go from here? Um, are, are, are people going to, are offices going to exist in the way they do today? Are you, would you, could you, are you shorting the office industry? Do you think, you know, office spaces are, are uh, just going to um, be converted or just lie there vacant for a long time, maybe forever? I, I wouldn't write off the office just yet. Um, I'm old enough in my, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to see the end of the office. Um, I'm uh, further along in my career. Uh, I'm in my mid-50s, so I've seen these cycles come and go. And I know that, um, for example, when I worked at IBM, IBM was 100% hot desking or work from anywhere in 2000. And they, uh, I think it was about 2010, they did away with that and they started requiring people to come into the office again. So you go through waves. Remember Yahoo um, notoriously called everyone back into the office and did work from home because it wasn't working. So I think it's one of those endless cycles like centralizing, decentralizing in companies that there are advantages and disadvantages to both extremes. And so companies swing back and forth. I think it's a cliche to say, but the answer is hybrid. The answer, the future is sometimes we're going to go to the office. Sometimes we're going to work remotely. Sometimes we're going to work in these third locations. We're going to use a network of different configurations and different setups, including collaboration space. That's going to be start becoming part of the conversation. And it's going to be pick and choose depending on the type of work you need to do. I also think it goes down to the culture of the company as well. Uh, a lot of it does flow from the founder, especially in the early stages. Some founders prefer remote. Others want people in the office so they can physically be there. But the culture of the company is what will make this work or not work. Uh, but any change is going to impact um, the office industry, in my view at least, right? Um, the end of office is a dramatic statement. But even a 20% you know, shift is fatal. For many of the investors that own these office spaces, if you have such a repurposing going on, and this is going on, right? Um, this is why you know I live in downtown San Francisco area, uh, and so many offices are vacant here. Even though people are returning back, some offices will stay vacant. And even if you know you've got twenty percent less occupancy in a building, that is that is dramatic because of the fixed operating costs of running an office, right? So people are now obviously rethinking uh, what do they do with these spaces. Uh, but who, who knows where the future will go? Uh, but we live in very exciting times, I, I'd certainly think, for uh, you know how, um, how the future of work is going to look. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we see that uh, high vacancy rates. As I said, here in China, we've had COVID pretty much under control for the last year. Um, I mean, you know, I've been able to do indoor dining and all the activities, the cinemas opened up. Um, you know, you wear masks when required, sometimes in uh, shopping malls, certainly in taxis, uh, public transportation. But other than that, life is pretty normal. And uh, Shanghai has 25% vacancy rates in their commercial buildings. So yeah, the future is going to look different. And I think the big message for asset owners is that um, the future is different. The building is a device, right? And you need to decide what software you're going to install in it. And the software is operating companies that provide people with a service experience 
that will attract them to want to come to that space, whether it's leisure or wellness or um, office or collaboration space, no matter what it is, you're going to need those that operations layer on top of the hardware in your building. This is, uh, this is why I'm, I'm in PropTech, right? COVID accelerated trends that were already uh, moving in, in a certain direction. And we took a hard look at how we do things, we as an industry, I don't mean the venture capital industry, I mean the real estate industry, I wear many hats. Uh, and you have to treat office differently, as you said. And not just that, you have to treat your hotels differently too. You have to treat the senior care facilities differently. Every asset class that investors used to just see as a, really, honestly, right? Investors looked at real estate like a pair of shoes, okay? spreadsheets, it's numbers, it's commodity, it's an income producing asset. That has changed forever. Now you have to focus on the end user experience. And that's the key to boosting your NOI, your net operating income, uh, or your occupancy rates or whatever it is, right? Repurposing the space and thinking about what does this real estate do? And that will trickle into the residential sector too. The, the, the type of home we all live in and the type of world we experience. And I think technology offers a lot of great promise here. Um, technology hopefully makes the world a better place in our experience of these hard physical assets uh, more customized and personalized. Already IoT devices are doing this. You know, you walk in, the lighting can change, the, the, the music can play, the security can be armed or disarmed. You can make calls by just merely asking. I won't say Siri or Alexa in case my home goes crazy now and I start calling people back accident. But, you know, you could say, do this, do that, and everything's done for you. This is, this is the future we're living in now. It's not coming. It is where we are now. Yeah, and the future is going to be more, more of that, but it needs to be... Um, the asset owners need to stop thinking about the asset as a thing and start thinking about it as an input into ultimately what people want to buy, which is the experience. So I say that to my team all the time. I say the customer doesn't want a room. The customer wants their event to go well. It's not the whole thing. So the room Indeed. is part Everyone, of it. Every, it feels like every middleman in real estate or every actor in the middle uh, is is having to now suddenly realize they can't just skim margins and commissions everywhere. They have to focus on what value am I providing in this in this interaction? How, how do I do more for the consumer? Because that's what matters now. Uh, those quick, easy fees and the whole information asymmetry that exists in real estate where, you know, you, you, an agent will refer their favorite title company and, you know, um, the, lots of stuff happens basically, right? Lots of dirty things happen in real estate and uh, that is now being exposed. I'd say times are very good for a long time. And when times are good, um, it's a saying in startup land, right? Where you got to figure out, was this person uh, a driver on the bus or just a passenger on the bus? Well, when an industry is doing really well, you can get away with a lot of things. When an industry is under struggle and change, then the weaknesses are exposed and the limelight's cast on those weaknesses and bad practices and those must be changed. Um, and the industry we're in and you're in dealing with how people work oh absolutely things have to change and are changing and people can't get away with things anymore right and that's what the exciting thing is um, you know i'm a technology optimist i believe that all this this tech um can and should be used to make people's lives better not just to skim off um more rents um, so I'm interested in how do we use the technology, the space, the service, how do we put that all together 
to unleash people's creativity. And that's why I believe in collaboration space, because um, you can manage things through these kind of remote interactions. And 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 uh, as I said, I've been working remotely since 2005. I think that's a fine way to work if you're an individual com- contributor, but you can't create remotely. Right now, the current technology, the state of VR is not there yet. If you want to cr- have a creativity workshop, that means getting together face-to-face. And so we create the environment for that to happen with the space, with the tech, with the service. All of those three go together into our product, and that's what we're providing to our customers. So, Mara, tell me a bit about how China is different to Asia and how Asia and China are different to the U.S. And, uh, you know, I want to be careful here and say you can't lump China into Asia, right? China is, is its own country, its own way of doing things. Walk us through sort of how things are different there. And I mean really from the perspective of your industry, how people are working, and then how is that also different to uh, the West? Where, you know, we have, we have listeners from everywhere, especially Europe and the U.S., and even Europe and US are so different, but not the difference is radical when you compare like the whole Asian region and China its own. Yeah, um, I really appreciate what you said when you invested into going into China. You made that leap because uh, I tell people that all the time when they say, oh, I'm thinking about entering into China. And it is that radical step change. You don't like dip a toe into the water or you don't kind of enter the China market. You have to commit and you have to really go for it because it is not like the West. Um, Now, of course, you know, at a basic human level, people are people. Um, And I I have gotten used to living here um, over the last 17 years. I speak Chinese. I manage my team in Chinese. Um, you know, it's not an unbridgeable gap, but you can't go into China thinking you're going to manage things the way that you do in the U.S. When I first moved here in 2005, my my husband and I would run into some cultural clash and then we'd look at each other and we'd go, okay, 1.4 billion of them, two of us, the person who's going to change in this equation is not them. <laughs> It's just math, <laughs> right? So, and there's no reason why there's no, you know, this culture is better or this culture is worse. They just are, they're just different and you need to adapt and get used to this is the Chinese way. Uh, and some of the things I can't imagine ever going back. Uh, for example, uh, the importance of relationship here. I mean, every culture and every um, country values relationship. It's never wholly transactional. It's never wholly contract. Relationship is important to everybody everywhere, but here it is the foundation. Um, I, you know, Americans who come in and negotiate a contract and then sign things and then leave and, and expect it to be worked out later, not going to work. Not going to work. You have to build the relationship. First, first. My experience of China is the negotiation begins after you sign the contract. By the way, <laughs> it just is how it is, you know, um, and that's just the cultural way things are done. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's, we created these rules for China, and, and one of them is everything is negotiable. And the, the, the follow-up is even things you thought had already decided are still negotiable. But, but the foundation is relationship. If you have a good relationship, then everything can be worked out. And that's, um, I think, as I said, it's not better or worse. It's a different way of looking at it. If I sign a contract and then the environment totally changes and that contract no longer works for me, if you and I have the relationship and we're committed to having this, you know, business connection still work out in the long term, then 
we do renegotiate the contract. You know, the Western view would be the contract of the contract. You signed it, you have to live with it. But if I can't live with it, are you going to enforce the contract on me? Or are we going to continue to do business together? It's a different way of thinking. And I think it's better, actually. In the long term, we're going to do business. And so we renegotiate what had already been signed.